Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. There's a swing and a drive to center by Ramos. Back and it goes Ellsbury to the wall. It is gone. Wilson Ramos with a two-run home run. And with one swing of the bat, he's given the Rays the lead. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to our first show in 2018. There's a lot new with the Rays, of course, this year. And this program, which we do weekly, gives you a unique opportunity to know the Rays on the field and behind the scenes. Now, among the guests you'll hear from today are outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer and principal owner Stuart Sternberg. Plus, we look back at the 20th anniversary of the first game in Rays history. We start, though, with highlights from the week gone by. Now, Thursday, the Rays opened up 2018 against the Red Sox. Chris Sale kept Tampa Bay quiet in his six innings of one-hit ball, but in the eighth, the Rays' bats came alive. Smith comes ready. Comes home. Runners go the pitch. Swing and a fly ball down the right field line toward the corner. It's going to get down for a hit, and it's going to clear the bases. Kiermaier scores. Gomez scores. Miller scores. Span the third with a bases clearing triple. The throw gets away. He gets up, starts to come home. Now goes back to third, and the backup infielder falls down. But it's a bases clearing triple for Denard Span, and the Rays lead five to four. That keyed a six-run rally to a race of four-nothing deficit, and Alex Colomay knew what to do from there. Two and two. Nunez leads the pitch. Swinging a ground ball towards second to his left. Wendell's got it. He throws to first. The Rays have completed a spectacular opening day comeback win against the Boston Red Sox. Spectacular indeed as the Rays won 6-4 to start the season on a high note. Friday, the Rays looked to make it two straight. Blake Snow was sharp, going five and two-thirds scoreless. Unfortunately, David Price was up to the task, throwing seven shutout innings. It was in the seventh that Boston broke through. One ball, two strikes. Bogarts the go-ahead run at second. Nobody out in the seventh. And the pitch. Swinging a ground ball back through the middle. Base hit, and that'll break the tie. Rounding third on his way home is Bogarts. He scores. Devers breaks it open with a 1-0 Red Sox lead. That was the finalist Boston's bullpen this time made a lead stand up. And then yesterday, the Rays went with their first bullpen day of 2018. The combination of Andrew Kittredge and Ryan Yarbrough did the job, allowing a total of only three runs to earn over seven and a third. And Carlos Gomez got the Rays in the home run column. First pitch swinging is Carlos Gomez driving one to left field and deep, and this ball is gone. On the first pitch at the bottom of the eighth inning, Carlos Gomez with his first home run as a Ray, and he cuts the lead to one. It's three to two. Unfortunately, that was the last run the Rays would score as they dropped the game by a 3-2 score to Boston, and today look to split the opening four-game series of the season. Hey, this year's Rays Rookies Kids Club presented by Outback Steakhouse includes an option to upgrade to all-star status. The upgrade includes a ticket to all 14 Sunday home games like today, meal vouchers, and more. For information on the Race Rookies Kids Club, go to racebaseball.com slash Rookies. Raise up, rookies. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Coming up, my sit-down with Kevin Kiermeyer. Does he now consider himself the face of the franchise? Find out right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. We continue on this week in race baseball, and our featured guest this week is one of the faces of the franchise right now in Kevin Kiermeyer. And Kevin, what does it mean to hear those words, faces of the franchise? Because I think most people now identify you and, and Chris Archer as those two kind of lead bulls, so to speak. Yeah, you know, ever since um, when I got called up full-time, this, this community has embraced me so well. And, um, you know, I figure just the way I play out there, I play hard and, you know, try to be is a likable guy as possible on and off the field. I'm just going out there trying to be myself, and I think the fans appreciate the way I go and play out there. And, you know, as I've stuck around for a couple of years, you know, I, I know that I've become one of the more popular players around here. And um, like I said, I love that. I'm in, the, I'm in the best position I could ever ask for in life with uh, the situation that has been, um, you know, this opportunity that's been provided for me. And I'm just trying to run with it and – um, you know, do what I can, and hopefully these these fans and this community loves loves me as for as long as possible because I love them and I love it right back. I love being a part of um, this organization 
and everything else that comes with it. I have so much fun with it, and like I said, I, I couldn't ask for a better setup in life. What do you call success this year for you and this team? Success for me, staying healthy, staying on the field, contributing to this team um, each and every game. Even if I don't start every game, it's one of those things where I know, you know how valuable an off day can be for me or you know trying to get me off my feet as much as possible. But with that being said, I want to play each and every day no matter what. Um, and like I said, I, uh, my, my favorite quote now that has been brought to my attention this offseason the best ability is availability, and I, I'm going to run with that for a while because it, it it's so true. It's so simple, but so true. Um, so yeah, that's what <clears throat> that's what I'm trying to do. And as far as the team goes, win, win more, flat out, um, plain and simple. Got to come out here and 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 win as many ball games as possible. Uh, it's been brought to my attention that last year we were in the most high leverage situation games, you know, within one or two runs, whether we're winning or losing those games, more losing, um, you know, we're so close and we have such a, had good teams in the past years, but we just couldn't close teams out, keep a lead or come back. And, um, you know, with that opening day for us to be down four in the eighth against a quality, quality team in the Red Sox uh, was great to see because, you know, we, you know, a team like that being able to come back in, in that situation is um, that's championship caliber type stuff going on. I know that's one game, small sample size, but for us to have the ability to do that. And then, like I said, if we have the lead on teams and can hold it, um, we're going to be dangerous. Do you get a feeling from spring training and the first weekend of action that this group kind of has that personality that you do, that kind of underdog mentality, uh, chip on its shoulder, that kind of thing? Yeah, we're we're always going to be the underdog, uh, you know. With, with this division, you know, the the more popular Yankees and Red Sox, they're always going to be, um, you know, probably considered the teams to be given their roster and what they have on paper. But uh, you know, I just always try to preach to everyone that, hey, on paper doesn't mean anything. You gotta go, you gotta go out there and perform and execute better than the other team. And like I said, that's why I, I'm trying to make sure my mindset and everyone else on this team. Um, has that because I, I don't care what the critics or anyone says. Uh, you got to go out there and play. And I love the guys that are on this squad right now. And um, I, I see a lot of winning in our future. But like I said, a lot easier said than done. But we got to go out there and handle our business now. I talk to a lot of people around the Rays, and they talk about this being somewhat your team now. Um, you know, in terms of leadership, have you changed at all as a leader? And do you see it that way? Is is that a, a fair phrase? No, I, I disagree with um, any time, um, you know, I guess there are some, some teams where you can say, okay, this is, you know, so-and-so's team, you know, go out there and handle your business to make sure everyone else does that. Uh, I, don't, I don't consider this my team. I don't consider it Chris Archer's team. This, this is all of our, this is our, our team, like we're as a unit. And I, I firmly believe that. Uh, you know, there are going to be more people who are going to be more vocal leaders um, on and off the field. And, uh, you know, that that's what I envision myself being. And I've, um, you know, I've tried to put myself in this position my whole life where I want my teammates to look up to me and they, they know they can always count on me. Whether I'm going good or bad, I'm always going to stay the same person. Uh, I'm never going to get too negative ever. And I'm always trying to be positive no matter what. And, um it's just one of those things. I, I think the positivity and, and that energy is uh, contagious. So that's what I'm always trying to provide for, for the guys next to me. And, you know, when people are struggling, you know, I just try to tell them, hey, if, if going 0 for 4 is the worst thing in your life, we're, we're doing okay. Trust, I promise you, because you got a good wife, good family, good kids. Uh, life could be a lot worse. So let's, let's figure out what we need to do on the field to be more successful now. But I like breaking that down for more of a life uh, aspect because, like I said, we have it so good, and um, you know, it just uh, uh, a rough stretch is you know tough times. Uh, tough people last longer in tough times, so I always want to see my teammates do well. I'm always rooting for them, and like I said, I'm just here to help any way I can. Since you brought that up personally, obviously you got married this off season. Yeah. Professionally, you signed the contract the year before. A lot of that can help your performance on the field if you're in the might right, might right mindset off the field. Do you think you're in kind of the best position professionally, personally, that you can be right now? Yeah, I, I do. I'm, I'm very happy with what's going on in my life. And, um, you know, ever since the contract was brought up to me a year ago, it, it's one of those things where 
I'm never I'm never going to be content with what I have going on. And I love playing uh, the three years I did before my contract because it's like, okay, you know, I want to play my butt off to try to go through arbitration and hopefully get that life-changing contract, which I did. And after I got the contract, it's still one of those things like you, you never think about it until, you know, you're off the field or you – it's just when I'm out there on the field, I don't I don't care how much money I'm making. I'm trying to go make plays, and I'm always going to go out with the same intensity that I have my whole life. And um, but like I said, that's that's the competitive nature of me, and uh, me saying it one more time, I'm never content with what I have going out there. I know there's always more in the tank, as far as performance, energy level, all that, and I'm always trying to go out there and uh, never take this opportunity for granted because I love it so much, and I want to play until. Uh, the Rays or any other team rips this jersey off my back and my body tells me otherwise. But for the time being, I love what I do, and I, that's, the, that's the reason I play the way I do. The play you made opening day, StatCast had it, I don't know if you saw, a 6% probability to make that play. Where is that in terms of your plays? Was that play harder, or is the Machado play harder where you robbed the home run? Uh, wow. Well, there, see, there, t- there are two total different plays. I didn't have to run as much for Machado's homer. I just had the time of jump and, uh, you know, catch it at its highest point. And yesterday I had to run however however many feet I, re- I ran. And, that, you know, that was a long ways away. And then I did have to time my jump and go into the wall. So it was one of those things where um, I'm just trying to be versatile as possible back there. I always tell people, uh, you know, the best outfielders in the game are the ones who go back and, and – play the ball off that wall anyone can come in and make a catch but going back and like I said with the wall right there um, it causes a lot of headaches for a lot of people and right there you know so much adrenaline going I was not going to let that ball drop right there and I was uh, willing to put my body on the line right then there because I knew that had a triple written all over it and um, you know I just tried to make sure it didn't happen and end up working out in our favor certainly a special play i know it helps too to be able to relax off the field i know you've picked up bow fishing yeah. all right give our fans who don't who are novices difference between bow fishing and spear fishing where i know you you yeah. put yourself in a a world-class level okay so let, let me let me just clear the air on this um what i have done the past 15 years of my life is actually technically called gigging i guess so people go frog gigging all that and you have the the trident looking set up and on on a stick or a, a, I call it a spear. So that's why I said I spearfish. But I'm doing all that from a boat. I'm never in the water. I'm just hitting fish that are all legally legally taken from the water. That it's uh, it's just to take away from these junk fish who are eating all the eggs, uh, the bottom feeder fish. Um, you know they're eating all the fish eggs to like bass, pike, crappie, all these fish that. Um, are game fish that you're not allowed to spear or gig or bow fish. Um, so that's that. But spear fishing underwater, I've never done. I don't think I ever want to do that. I don't really want to be in the water too much, especially with all the, you know, you hit a fish, all the blood in the water. I don't like the ocean too much. I'm staying away from that. But bow fishing, um, that is what I, I just bought my first bow this past off season, and I absolutely love it. It's bow fishing slash gigging, whatever you want to call it is my passion. It's my passion away from baseball and I envision myself doing it my whole life. I YouTube, Google something each and every day about it. I always want to see new videos, what everyone's doing, especially around the Midwest. That's where I'll be doing most of mine um, just because there's a lot more fish up there, bigger, more plentiful with the carp, gar, bowfin. There's a lot more up in the Midwest. That's the mecca of of, uh, the bow fishing world, I guess you could say. But it's it's my love. My wife hates how much I sit here and um, do all my research on it, but it, it really is. I love it so much, and I, I, got, I have a custom bow fishing boat being built right now up in Indiana, and my little brother will use it a ton this year when I get back in the fall. Hopefully very late fall, I'll be up there trying to do some damage for um, as much as I can until the weather tells me otherwise. But once my baseball career is done, who knows what I'm going to do as far as coaching or whatever, but... I promise you, I will have something that works in the bow fishing world um, because that, that's my happy place, being on the water, especially at night. It's so peaceful. And um, so, yeah, I'll cut myself up there. I could talk about it all day, but it, it's it's my love. And your cooking skills of the fish, what do you usually like to do once, once you catch, whether it's carp or whatever it may be? You know what? A lot of people uh, see these, these fish that we're, that we're getting. Um, they're not the best 
eating fish. And some people like them. I don't know why, but the things that these carp are eating off the bottom of lakes, <laughs> if you if you know where I'm going, uh, you know, you are what your what your food eats essentially. And I'm not trying to eat eat that. So what you can do, you can um, there's fish. Uh, I'm trying to think of the fish fish waste management places. Uh, not very many, but you can find random farmers around, and it's great for fertilizer. If they they do what they got to do with that, and they can put in the fertilizer they do, uh, just like the pilgrims back in the day. You know, they plant fish to to uh, grow some corn or whatever. But for me, um, I the tilapia I was hitting this spring, I gave them to a few grounds crew, and they they cooked them, fried them up, ate them. But for me. I do it because I get a thrill out of it, but like I said, at the same time, it is legal because we're helping the lakes, rivers, getting these junk fish out because they're so overpopulated and they're taking over rivers, lakes, like I just said, and that's why all this is legal. I don't really like eating fish too much, to be honest, but like I said, I love going out there and think I'm doing the ecosystem a good deed by trying to get rid of these invasive species. Continue to enjoy that. We certainly enjoy watching you play. I'm curious, one thing, another club. Who do you like watching the most from another team? Obviously, you compete against these guys, but is there one guy who right now you would, if you had a tick, to buy a ticket, you would buy to go see play? Man, I, ha- I, always, I always think about this. I have so many favorite players that play for different teams. Uh, the one that sticks out right now, I don't know if it's because we're playing the, the Red Sox, but Mookie Betts, I think... Um, you know, you, if you really talk about all-around player, run, throw, hit, defense, hit for power, average, he, he literally does everything at an above-average rate. Um, like I said, offensively, defensively, on, on the bases, he's an absolute weapon in all facets of the game. And you don't see that too much in baseball nowadays where you just can't think of a weakness in someone's game. And Mookie's the guy who always sticks up to me and how he can control bats up there is it's amazing how easy he makes it look even being like a you know not that he's he's a smaller guy generally but the the way his hands work and the power and the way he can generate all that torque in his swing and hit the ball the way he does is so impressive and uh, he's such a great guy too I'm a big fan of him uh, you know we chat every time we play against each other much respect amongst each other but he's he's one of my favorite to watch even though he kills us i hate that but i you have to respect his game and how how easy he makes it look i'm sure he probably says some of the same kind of things about you continued success on the field and hopefully we're saying the things about you that you just said about him at the end of this year and this team as well yes thank you neil kevin kiermeyer joining us on this week in rays baseball back with more after this you're listening to the rays baseball network Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Our first show in 2018 each month during the course of the season. If you're new to the program, we'd like to have a roundtable discussion. And join me now, the voices of the Rays, Dave Wills and Andy Freed, plus Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. Guys, good morning and thanks for joining us. Happy new season to you. Yes, Neil. How are you? Happy Easter as well to all those who are celebrating. And Passover this Mm -hmm. weekend. We got that out of the way. (laughs) Busy. Busy, busy. And it's been a busy first weekend. What... For you guys, what's been the the thing that will, at least to this point, first three games that stuck with you, greatest impression of the opening weekend? Wow. Uh, You know what? I I mean, really, the the difference that this team, the identity has taken on, and I don't think that we know the identity of this team yet. What exactly are they going for? You know, last year it was a lot of lift and launch and try to hit home runs. Uh, That tone was set early. Um, and then ride that starting rotation, what was the bullpen going to look like? Now there's there's a lot of questions. What, how exactly is this offense um, going to come to be? What, how are they going to move the baseball score runs? We know that there's been more of an emphasis on that through spring training and even really the offseason in building this team, uh, more you know run creation and going back to run prevention. But at the same time, you know the injury to Avaldi at the end of spring has kind of thrown the pitching staff into flux, uh, multiple bullpen days the first time through. So I think there's a lot lot of questions out there left unanswered um it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds well too with with a lot of these young pitchers that the rays have they know they're going to be in a lot of low scored games anyway but it does kind of tie in a little bit because if the offense isn't going to be scoring many runs and they they might and let's hope that they do it would certainly make it a lot more fun plus a lot of these young guys on the road even in this first trip an unfriendly new york and unfriendly boston that could be a lot of pressure on a lot of young pitchers i mean chirinos hasn't even pitched yet 
he, for all we know, could end up pitching for the first time in the American League East on the road if they're having to constantly pitch in uh, in one-run games on the plus or negative side, Dave. That that can add a lot of pressure. I was pretty impressed with the way that Andrew Yarborough pitched yesterday, though. I mean, uh, or or if you want to go Ryan Kittredge. I mean, you know, they, they got us into the, what, eighth inning. Uh, they threw a bunch of pitches, but, you know, like we were talking about, we'll talk about with Kevin a little bit later on when the pregame show gets started. You know, it, it's only part one of this experiment they're, they're going to try, but I thought, all right, we're off to a decent enough start. I mean, it was a quality start if you combine their numbers and you go from there, but offensively, I'm just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Now, we're not striking out anywhere near what this team did a year ago, and I know it's only a three-game uh, uh, situation. Sale's going to strike out everybody because he did over 309 last year. But, uh, you know, again, they put some balls in play against Price and Porcello, but it sounds like they're swinging wet newspapers right now. I mean, we've had a lot of pop-ups, a lot of mishits. We haven't seen uh, maybe more than, what, about eight or ten really, really hard-hit balls through the first three games, and two of them belong to Carlos Gomez, who finally did run into a couple yesterday with his double and his homer. So just kind of waiting to see what this offense is going to do. I think the defense is definitely better. I think uh, we're, we're seeing a better defense overall. Uh, and I think we will continue to see that. But the question for me, B.A., is are we going to have to play perfect baseball in order to win? Because uh, I'm not sure this team's going to score a lot of runs right now. You, you know what? No. The offense, uh, like I said, what's the identity going to be? How are you going to put together innings and be able to score, you know, crooked numbers, you know, put up crooked numbers during the course of, uh, you know, of this season? The one thing that, that really has jumped out to me, the way that these Boston starters, and I think they've gone, what, a combined 18 in the third innings in this series and given up one run, they have lived on the inner half against our hitters. All of them. Sale, Price, even Porcello. Porcello was good with his sinker working the bottom of the third, but they are not afraid to crowd our hitters, and I think that's something to keep your eye on going forward. Are we going to be the lineup where everybody tries to come in, and can we make the adjustment? Neil, you've been feeling decent about this offense long term. I, I know I've been cautious. You and I have been going back and forth in this throughout spring training. From what B.A.J. said, is that why you think that this offense still will score runs? I do. I, I think, you know, my thought, and I thought B.A. brought a, a key point, is it is the three starters, what they've done inside. Um, I, I think that the biggest thing is not to rush to judgment when you're facing Boston and New York. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. The first nine games of the season, to me, those are two of the better pitching staffs in the American League right now. And, and I think probably for the team, the biggest thing is also not to rush judgment on their own. And, and if they don't score a ton of runs early, not to panic. There's no reason to. No, I, I know there were a lot of people panicking after the way we started back in 2011. And I remember uh, walking the streets of Chicago after one of the games, and a couple of the guys I was with were saying, this team's going to lose 100 games. And lo and behold, they end up uh, going to the wild card. So, you know, again, three games does not a season make, but, you know, we're, we're kind of waiting to see. We need Kiermaier to get going. You need uh, some guys offensively to uh, be a big part of this. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, it's a transition. We're not going to be a team that's going to lift and launch, as B.A. said, but we're going to be a team that's going to need to go to the gap, drive the baseball more on line drives, hopefully, and and be able to utilize some athleticism. That's why I was kind of excited yesterday when Malik Smith figured out a way to go 0-2-4-2 against Mm -hmm. Craig Kimbrell. I was waiting to see, all right, what are the Rays going to do here? But Malik ended up getting uh, caught off the bag. But, you know, the offense hasn't kicked into gear, but... Like I said, when you, you struggle out of the gates like this, it's a slow start, but hitters have to hate going up to the plate and seeing 091, 143, 181 next to their name right now, but that's just the nature of the beast early on in the season. I'm pretty happy with Matt Duffy at this point offensively. This is a guy that missed 188 games, and think about that. Even if he wasn't you know, having to deal with injury, just say take 188 games where you're not hitting major league pitching to come back and have a three-hit day yesterday, you have the big RBI double on opening day and three more hits yesterday, and they may be singles, and maybe he doesn't find his power stroke for a little while. But I don't know, Neil. I've been pretty impressed with the fact that Matt Deffy is putting bat to baseball. I would think that's one of the big things that I look at this weekend that, that I really liked, and I, and I want to get B.A.'s take, too, on Blake Snell and how good he looked for compared to this time a year ago in terms of the difference in Blake Snell. Well, no question about it. And we saw that last year. Basically, right around the All-Star break, uh, the the flip or the switch was flipped, and he really turned things in around, around, and I thought it was twofold. I thought, number one, his fastball command uh, got a whole lot better. And obviously, at that point, he's starting to work ahead in the count because, you know, if you go over, you know, Blake Snell a season ago, if he had enough innings to qualify, would have had the lowest first pike first pitch strike percentage in Major League Baseball, uh, just over 50%, low 50s. Uh, but 
all of a sudden the last 10 starts or so a season ago, fastball command got better. That allowed him to pitch out in front. He's obviously going to have a lot of success there with the slider, the curveball, and the changeup. But even so, when he did fall behind, he had that willingness to throw his off-speed in fastball counts, the 2-1 changeup, to get back into account, showing maturity. There was a sequence that he put together in his first start against Hanley Ramirez that I thought showed the maturity and just the pitching acumen starting to take shape. He was 2-1 and one on Hanley Ramirez. He threw a 2-1 and one changeup to get back to 2-2. Two and two. On 2-2, two and two, he went with a fastball up to try to put him away. Hanley Ramirez was able to, to foul that pitch off, stayed at two and two. So what do you follow that pitch up with? Well, Wilson Ramos went slider, or first he went changeup, shook him off. Now, so this is why you know it's Blake Snell. Changeup, shook him off. Slider, shook him off. Curveball, okay. Right after the elevated fastball, play the big curveball. He goes to curveball, see you later. And that was all on Blake Snell because of the way that he shook through and shook off Wilson Ramos twice to get to that pitch showing you an advanced uh, level of sequencing, mm -hmm. he was tremendous. As a fellow left-hander, to what do you can uh, attribute his uptick in velocity? I mean, we know he had it in the minor leagues, but last year a lot of times he was 91-92, and now consistently it seems a relatively easy 96. We've been hearing about him staying in line more. Yeah. Is that what that comes from? I, I think so. I think that's exactly what it is. He's staying linear and driving through home plate. I think Kyle Snyder said it best. Yeah, we, we tweaked some things mechanically, nothing specific. Not sure exactly what that means, that, but that was perfectly put by Kyle Snyder. In other words, I'm not telling you anything, but it's working. Uh, you know, and I don't mean to jump in here, Neil, but I wanted, I wanted to ask B.A. about Kyle Snyder. You went through all kinds of different pitching coaches, I'm sure, in your career. But as I was talking about with Kevin, and we brought it up on the air yesterday, by them staying with Yarbrough a little bit longer yesterday, I think that was a direct result of having Kyle Snyder as the pitching coach because he had seen him firsthand in Durham for a long, long time, whereas maybe Hick, who, again, I think is still one of the better pitching coaches going in the game, might not have had that kind of familiarity with him. I think that right now Kyle Snyder is the perfect pitching coach for this group with the youngsters that the Rays are trying to incorporate. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I agree with your assessment on Jim Hickey. I mean, he is one of the, the best pitching coaches in the game, no question. Kyle Snyder obviously being familiar with these guys and understanding, and what I thought yesterday when I saw Ryan Yarbrough you know, throughout spring training, he came in and did not mess around. He's not going to overpower you, but he also doesn't dance around the strike zone. He pounds the zone in good areas, tries to get early contact, and puts you away and move on to the next guy. In you know last night's ball game, I felt that he was nibbling a mm -hmm. little bit too much, and I think that probably Kyle Snyder felt the same way and thought, "Listen, we're going to keep sending you back out there. Go out there and pound the zone. Start to build some confidence. Get out there and continue to pitch." And that's what he did because as much as he was nibbling early, I would have told you there's no way he's getting to 70 pitches, and yet he did. They showed the faith in him, and I promise you, he will be better for it going forward. And you'll see uh, a left-hander go out there and pound the zone a little bit more than you saw last night. Guys, great stuff. I hope you have the warm clothes, and we appreciate some time on our first this week in race baseball. And he's got six turtlenecks packed, I think, so it's all <laughs> four. I can't wait to four. see that. All different colors. They're beautiful. <laughs> That's B.A., Dave, and Andy. Again, we thank them for joining us. We will do that once every month. Right now, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is gone! WPTP HD3 Clearwater and 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. Coming up on this week in Rays Baseball, we'll visit with a special Rays employee, look back at the first game in Tampa Bay history, and chat with principal owner Stuart Sternberg right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. In this 20th anniversary campaign, we'll chat with those employees who've worked more than 20 years for the organization. Here's the first of those weekly features. Hi, I'm Rick Nath. I am the Vice President of Operations here for the Rays, and I started on January 2nd, 1997. The day I started, it was a beautiful day. We had a lot to do. Construction-wise, they, uh, they had already started. Just how much work that uh, we, we had facing us. Uh, we were a year out uh, from playing, and, uh, but we basically had a shell of a building that uh, some work had already started, of course, with the offices and and things like that, but uh, it was not by a long shot baseball ready. Collectively looked at it and started making changes, and we're all uh, bunched into offices around the press box, and, and that's where we operated out of. And uh, after that, after the first day, 
it seemed to flow a little bit uh, easier and just knowing that uh, you could start placing, piecing things together. What's been the best part about working for the race? Stu Sternberg, as you know, for me has been, uh, I mean, Vince Namoli gave me the opportunity and he was uh, very fair with me, but uh, when Stu and uh, Brian Ald and uh, Matt Silverman came in and it, it just, it took an uptick, a huge uptick, and it, it turned into a, a really fun, fun place to work. Favorite ballpark food? Oh, you got to go hot dog. I mean, I, I'm a purist. You do have a hot dog? What do you put on it? Just mustard. I'm a purist. I'm a purist. I just like the hot dog. Favorite baseball movie? It, it'd have to be a cross between Field of Dreams and probably um, Major League. What surprises you about what has or hasn't changed about the game in your 20-plus years with the Rays? Well, I'm glad that not a lot has changed. I know that there's been some changes, but baseball, unlike any other sport that I know of, uh, is a tradition. And there's so many traditionalists. And and I know that even uh, playing indoors really bothers some people. Uh, We couldn't exist without playing indoors, so you you have to do that. But I'm just glad that the game hasn't had an overall... Uh, change like like football has so it's just uh, I'm, I'm just glad that the, there's enough of the traditional uh, aspect of it that uh, that people like to have and so what's your most embarrassing or funny moment in your 20 plus years and why I, I think my most embarrassing moment on uh, I've been in this business for 38 years and 20 of it has been with the Rays but I think my most embarrassing moment occurred when uh, I was talked into um doing a taped performance that would go up on the video board of the um, the old Linda Richmond sketch on Saturday Night Live, and I had to be Linda Richmond. And I'm neither female or, or with a New York accent or anything like that, so I just had to come up with that, and uh, and it was ugly. It was really embarrassing. People can go talk amongst themselves right now? Yeah, yeah I got verklempt all over the place, and I just told them to go talk amongst yourselves. That is our weekly feature on 20-Year Rays Employees, starting with one Rick Nave. Of course, yesterday was the 20-year anniversary of the first-ever game, and I chatted with several players, including Quentin McCracken, the first batter ever in franchise history. Uh, just a lot of, lot of excitement. Uh, you know, the, the, the city, the town was, uh, you know, buzzing. You know, thrilled to have a professional baseball team, uh, you know, here in uh, Tampa, St. Pete, and uh, they welcomed us with open arms. Uh, but uh, just... Uh, uh, the one thing that I recall is just, just the excitement that was in the air. What personally did it mean? Because you had played on the West Coast. You grew up in North Carolina. You played your college ball at Duke. So mm-hmm. to be on the East Coast and playing in Florida, not that far from home, mm-hmm. you know, where family could either long drive or short plane flight to see you, what did that mean? Uh, it, it meant a lot of tickets for family and friends, uh, you know, throughout my days here in Tampa, uh, But which is what you welcome. I mean, uh, not everybody gets an opportunity to play uh, at home or close to home and and to be awarded that opportunity to uh, uh, the, to come here and uh, you know play the inaugural season with the with the uh, the Rays and to uh, be close to family where my uh, uh, all my relatives and friends could come out and see me play was uh, definitely a blessing. Tell me what are your best memories overall from that first game and also from that overall season. Obviously, the first in the franchise's history. Well, I mean, the one thing I recall from that first game was uh, you know just the the uh, you know I guess. The fog that was in the air from the uh, the, uh, the pregame entertainment uh, with the paragraphs it was just, it was uh, it was quite quite tough to see a ball out there. But uh, uh, you know, once once the smoke cleared, literally, uh, it was just it was, ex- it was an exciting time. Uh, as far as what we take from that first year was that it was a competitive team. I mean, we went out there, all the, you know, all the doubters. Expected us to you know, lose 100 games, and uh, we fielded a competitive team. We didn't lose 100 games. Um, you know, we had excellent, excellent bullpen. We had some uh, some guys who really, uh, you know, stepped up and uh, you know established themselves as uh, formidable big leaguers and went on to have a, a prolonged careers. So it was a great, uh, great beginning for uh, for an expansion team. You had have had a long career, not only on the field but off the field too. Did any of your experiences that year? Help contribute to what you learned in the game and, and carry it over both on the front office side or on the baseball side now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when it comes time to uh, you know uh, you know roster management, constructing teams, uh, then on the business aspect of it, uh, you know, as far as the arbitration years and buying out free agency and stuff like that, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, you know live it and I uh, take those experiences uh, not only uh, as a player 
uh, but uh, on the field, but uh, you know, off the field. You know, as far as uh, you know, bringing bringing good character guys, uh, you know, to the to, to a roster, and how much uh, those intangibles mean when it comes to uh, putting the team together and uh, feeling a competitive unit to go out and win championships. Are there any guys from that '98 team you're still close with, and if not, who are your closest friends in the game that you? Because you are on a lot of cl uh, different clubs. Yeah, I mean that's one thing about, uh, about being a journeyman and well traveled uh, throughout your career. You uh, you have a lot of friends, and that's what I tell these young players today. I mean, it's all about the relationships. I mean, eventually you're gonna have to take the cleats off, and what you walk away from this game is uh, uh, good relationships that last beyond those uh, those playing years. Uh, so yes, there's many. Uh, Many of the guys on the team that I still keep in contact with, uh, one in particular will be here this weekend, and we still uh, you know, talk on a regular basis. Randy Wynn, I mean, Bobby, 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 uh, Bobby Smith, uh, numerous guys. I mean, we, uh, when you're in the bunker with the guy, um, you, know, it, you can go an extended period of time without talking, uh, but when you uh, come across paths again, you kind of pick up where you left off. And that is Quentin McCracken, the first batter in race history. You don't touch on the 20th anniversary of race baseball without chatting with Wade Boggs, the most famous player in the organization's history and a Hall of Famer. I asked Wade what he remembered about opening day 1998. I, I think the anticipation of bringing, bringing uh, baseball to Tampa Bay, because I grew up here and grew up on Davis Island. I played Little League in Tampa and finally getting a team. That was the big thing, finally getting a team, and baseball has come to Tampa Bay. And driving across that bridge, the, my, my butterflies were probably the size of condors. And, and it, I had 16 years in, and we, we, we had so many babies. You know, I mean, we had a bunch of babies, and, and babies is the fact that, that it's, it's relative to age, not babies. But, but uh, we had so many young guys. And knowing that, wow, you know, I'm part of this foundation building process and, and they're going to be growing pains. And, but just the electricity and, and over 42,000 people that night. And, and, and it was so loud. It was, it was uh, I'm, I'm very glad the decision that I made to come back home to play and, and having Mr. Namoli and, and Chuck Lamar gave me the opportunity to come back home. What does it mean to you that they're also commemorating this night, the 20th anniversary? I, I think it's great because it, 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 I, I said in a few interviews that, that we, were, we were the land of the misfits, that nobody wanted any of these guys, that the organization just put them in an envelope and got rid of them. And we had to gel really quick. We had to become a team. And we didn't want to be the doormats of the American League, and and everybody knowing that that well, we're going to we're going to Tampa Bay, and that's going to be an easy win. And and a lot of the guys had, had never been in the big leagues; they didn't know what what opening day was like, and what 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 the bright lights and and the big city were like, and and so they were they were going along with bright eyed and bushy tailed. A lot of the guys were learning on the fly how to play this game and I had 16 years in so I was the elder statesman the granddad the, the old guy on the block so I had 16 years in and I was at the end of my career watching these up-and-coming stars that were you know forming their own career and learning the game learning how to play the game the right way I mean, I would, I would sit there, and they would trot down to first on a pop-up or something like that, and I'd air them out in the uh, dugout and get on them about not hustling, and that's not the way you play the game. That's, you know, these people here deserve, you know, an effort. And it resonated throughout the year. And, you know, I, I, I hope that I had left a footprint sort of uh, in the, the two years that I played here. I was the assistant GM in 2000 and the hitting coach in 2001. But the two years that I played, I hope I made an impact and, and, and being in on the ground floor and the foundation of the things to come and, and, and the great, you know, 2008 when they went to the World Series, that, wow, you know, in 10 years, this organization has transformed itself into, into a, a World Series caliber organization and knowing that our blocks are the first ones on the foundation. Is there a best memory from 98 specifically for you? I, I think opening night when I hit the home run and, and being the, the, the first Devil Ray to ever hit a home run, and I, I'm, I'm sure the Vegas odds on that weren't, 
weren't very high, but but uh, I, I think just the overall anticipation, the excitement of opening day, and then and then at the end of the game, it was like, wow, we got this out of the way. Let's let's go on to see what we can do. And that is Wade Boggs on the opening chapter in race history. Now, Wilson Alvarez was the starting pitcher on opening day. It was a tough beginning for Alvarez and a loss to Detroit. And I asked Wilson what it meant to throw that first pitch. A lot of excitement, you know, crying, crying, because I, I said, I cry like a kid. It's a dream, you know, it's a dream came true. They over, I mean, as a kid, you want to be a baseball player. You want to be a major league player. And when you had a chance to... To, uh, to to throw the first pitch in a, in an organization and the team history, you know, you're like, man, you know, he is is huge, you know, he's so big. So it, it was like honor. It was like nervous too. I was I was I was big time nervous. I can say that because I was like, please don't don't mess up, don't mess up. You know what I mean? Like that stuff. And but it was great. It was great feeling. Great group of guys. I really enjoyed it. Roberto Hernandez, I played with him for almost my whole career. He was great. Orlando Gomez here, he was my coach since um, I was a rookie with the Rangers. It was great. It was his great, um, great memories. I wish uh, Larry was here, Rocha was here. Because I, 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 never, I never said it here, but I, it was one day that. Um, he took me out of the game. Then I went back to the dugout and I and I knocked the water cooler down. And he thought it was because he took me out. It was not. It was just because I was angry. I was about about my job that I don't I don't get it done. So I, I wish he was here so to let him know that. And that's that stuff. I mean, it's great memories. I mean, great great memories here. That first day, you said you were nervous. Do you remember looking up into the crowd and seeing all those faces and all those people before it started? Oh yeah, I still remember. This was yes, it was just yesterday, and and I mean, I I still follow the the, the race. I wish every year they 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 make it because you know they they give me the opportunity to to do something in baseball and. And uh, hopefully, I mean, I wish them every day. I, I watch TV. I look at the results. I mean, hopefully they win. Hopefully, I mean, they hopefully they make it. I mean, hopefully they go to the playoffs. That is Wilson Alvarez, who threw the first pitch in Rays history, and hopefully we'll see many of those same players back, either the 25th anniversary or future celebrations. Alvarez, by the way, continues in baseball as a pitching coach in rookie ball for the Orioles locally here in Tampa Bay in Sarasota. Now, our first full show of 2018 really wouldn't be complete without our annual chat with race principal owner Stuart Sternberg. I first asked Sternberg what he likes about this year's team. Well, we've obviously got a, a large group of new players on the field this year. Uh, no, and there's no uh, getting around. You know, not having uh, Evan here is uh, is different. Um, obviously, at some point that was going to happen, but uh, you know, not having him here is that anchor sort of. Uh, to hold things together is a little different, but having said that, it feels a little 2007-8-ish. Um, certainly north of 2007, I don't know quite 2008. We're excited about the players we've had. These are players we've chosen, we choose to have here. They're not guys who've just sort of fallen to us and we had to pick up off a scrap heap on a waiver wire at the last minute. These are a bunch of players that we hope to be the present and future of the team. You use the phrase in March, better than you think when asked how you thought the team was going to do. So tell me why the better than you think. What makes the group of them together? It is, it is group. There's a lot of positional flexibility, uh, which is something we started, uh, you know, 10 years ago and then some. And it does, it does help you cover up some of the weaknesses, you know, some hitters, righty, lefty, those sort of things in the matchups. I do believe we're very strong up the middle, not only with a glove, but also the bats. I think, you know, Hetch... Uh, if he can play up to his reasonable potential. Certainly our catcher, you know, we thought was going to be a, a cleanup type hitter the year before. Uh, and Kiermaier is, you know, not, is not trout, but is after that as good as it gets in center field. We're excited about the platoon at second base uh, with Joey, Wendell, and, uh, and Robertson. And we do think they're going to be a big plus, especially on both sides. And the important thing is all four of those guys can catch the ball 
and uh, a couple of them, you know, a few of them can run really well. You mentioned the youth. Some of it's here, some of it will be here. Is this the best the farm system has been since you've taken ownership? Uh, I, I think on a, um, um, A to Z, yes. Not that we have anybody whose names begin with Z, I don't think. Um, but I, th I think we have a lot of uh, a lot of strong players. It's it's the best we've had since we've been here. We we aren't as top heavy as we might have been at times. Um, you know, when um, you know when the, when they were coming through, boom, 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 like that, and you had Hellickson and 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 Evan, uh, you know, both in in the farm system at the same time, and then Price right behind it. However, where we are right now and the investments we've made and the, the choices we've made the last few years, there are a bunch of teenagers, early 20s guys that we've, that we've acquired. And I think our first 20, as I like to say, we have 27 in the top 20. Uh, our top 20 list is hard to, to get to. And, I, and as recently as four or five years ago, we had a tough time getting to 10. There have been changes on the field, as you mentioned, but also changes with the logo with this 20th anniversary. Uh, tell me why you like the logo and what makes you excited about the celebration this year. Well, I like it because I designed it. <laughs> Along, you know, a few of us had a, had a big hand in designing it, um, and you know, I, I, it, it's a fun thing for me to do, and it's something I like to reflect the brand. We wanted to make sure we waited a good deal of time to have a, a real look back on the history of this team. This year gives us the opportunity to, you know, to, to honor the 08 team, honor the, you know, what was done to bring baseball to Tampa Bay um, in 19 to start 1998, and all the work that led up to it to get to that point. Really, a celebration on a, a multitude of levels. Why was it important to do both for you? Because you could have just celebrated 08, because it's also 10 years from there. Well, we had we had planned a, a few years back. Uh, to hold off on on looking back to '98 until we got to 20, and uh, you know, the patience is a virtue, and and um, we we try to do what we think is right, and I think it'll create a lot of opportunity for the fans to just really revel in the idea that there was a time that Major League Baseball wasn't here, and to look back, and we've got a lot of great things planned during the season. And you've also got a lot of things that have you know been improved dramatically here at the ballpark. What are you most excited about as you walk around Tropicana Field? Well, I'm most excited, first of all, to, to, to our fans and, and followers that they recognize we are here for the long haul. This, you know, it, you know, people are, are concerned about motives and why we're doing things, but as they say, follow the money. You know, we've put a ton of money into this place, uh, about seven million dollars this year, and it will be readily uh, viewable, and tasteable, uh, and smellable. Well, you know, we're going to touch a lot of the senses this year. You know, we put a new turf in, which we've done a couple of times before, and I think the play it'll play better, it'll look better. But I'm really excited by the food offerings. I've been around the food court uh, and, and the various spots, and they're, they're, you know, it's going to take six to ten trips for any fan to really take it all in and taste everything. And we've, we've, we've got a new concessionaire, so I'm really excited. And the Rocco Baldelli, obviously, is a nice touch. As a, you consider yourself a foodie, and if so, what food are you most excited about that's been added? I am, I do. Uh, I, and something that was a surprise to me, which I hadn't recognized, is that Mr. Softy is here. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big uh, soft ice cream guy, if it's good. I love Mr. Softy and the little jingle that it has, for those of you who might know. But most importantly, while it's not here today, and going through it yesterday, I asked that we get a, um, what I call a brown bonnet or a dip. Is people where you dip the ice cream into uh, some chocolate, and it hardens up. And there is nothing better as far as ice cream or dessert is concerned. I'd agree with you there. You've gone through the store, um, I would assume, too. Any merchandise that really excited you? I mean, there are a lot of neat new things. There are. The, I think the uh, two things that stand out, The offer, three things. The offerings for women, my wife has always been pushing me, make sure it's soft, make sure it looks good. People want to look good in things. It's not just a logo. I think we've hit our mark on that. Uh, the second would be we've got is one particular item, a Columbia item, that uh, our, a bunch of our staff have bought with their own money and gone in and love it, and it's a really great item. But most, most of all, is, uh, that we're most proud of, and it, it was uh, a big step, is this hat uh, presentation we've got. And it's really cool. When people come in, it's in the round, on the inside and the outside, and um, you know, where you can take a look and try on the hats. There's also a new social space, the ballpark and rec area. Yeah. Is there a game of those that they've got out there? They've got Jenga, Connect Four, that you love playing either with your family or others? No question, uh, skee-ball. I'm a, I'm a skee-ball aficionado from way back, although they're not the long skee-ball lanes that I like, 
but as you point out, there are some real old school things, and as well as the Cornell, uh, and to the uh, the outdoor space. I was through it yesterday, and we finally were 98 percent finished. is incredible, and I think people are going to love to get out there and, and really try everything out. I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah, I don't want to ask you to give me 20 favorite rays in the 20 year anniversary. Can you give me five of your all time favorite rays since we're celebrating this year? My all time favorite uh, t- actual players. Yeah, five players if you had to pick. Uh, I will try. Let's see. It. Uh, I love J.P. Hell. He was a favorite. Obviously, Longo, Zobi. Uh, I was a Johnny Gomes guy. And how about I leave out number five for? Uh, there's probably about 12 guys at number five. All right. This and, and of the present, is there or is it hard to pick when they're in the with you? It's when they're right here. It's it is kind of hard. Uh, you know, a bunch of them are still finding their their way through. I do think that by midseason, I'm going to love Joey Wendell, and I think the fans are going to love Joey Wendell. Uh, but clearly, you know, Kiermaier is an obvious choice and a clear choice versus Archer is a clear and obvious choice. Um, and I'll, you know, I could certainly go with those. But I'm looking forward to see. Uh, I think Wendell is going to be a favorite. I look forward to watching him play. As we you know do this and we get through this first weekend, I know you guys are still working on hopefully the the future of the Rays. Is there anything you want to say about where things have gone? Obviously, before spring training started, you made a very good step forward. Where it's going to be it, right at this point now, uh, it's going to be slow and steady progress, and um, you know, we're uh, we're working along with the Hillsborough Hillsborough County. We're working with the city of Tampa, and very importantly, we're working with the 2020 group as they name themselves, and there are 20 some odd uh, at this point uh, business leaders, and um, and community leaders who are involved with the effort, who are passionate about keeping baseball and growing baseball in the Tampa Bay region. So I would love to be able to just feel great about these things and smiling about them as we're heading towards the summer. The Rays do better than even you expect if what happens this year? If the bullpen, if the bullpen is firing on all cylinders. And what is the one message as we are in this first weekend of race baseball that you want to make sure fans grasp, understand going forward for this season? That, that, we're, that we're here for here to stay. I mean, we you know we want to be here. We love it here. Uh, we've made the investments in the uh, in the trop. It's still an incredible place to play baseball. And in fact, I'd love nothing more than to be here in, in the trop for the next 30 years. However, for whatever reason and whyever, you know, we haven't been able to to get the support necessary to, to you know to, to win consistently or feel consistently a major league baseball team as as MLB uh, would see it and our our competitors would see it. So. I think that the trop gets gets uh, undersold a bit, and I think people should give it another chance if they haven't come out, and if they do come out, you know, to really take a walk around the place and enjoy it. Here's to a successful 2018. And here's to all your great work, Neil. Thank you very much. And that is the race principal owner, Stuart Sternberg. Special thanks to him and all of our guests on our first show of the year of this week in race baseball. Kevin Kiermeyer, of course, Dave Wills, Andy Freed, and Brian Anderson, Rick Nath, and our 20th anniversary guest, Quentin McCracken, Wade Boggs, and also Wilson Alvarez. Of course, if you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Hey, the Race Flex Pack is the most versatile ticket package in town. Save up to 50% off the single-game ticket price and get five lower-level regular season tickets for 98 bucks. For a limited time, get a 20th anniversary pint class set presented by Dex Imaging with each pack purchase. Go to racebaseball.com slash flex and raise up. Next week's program will include interviews with Sergio Romo and bullpen coach Stan Borowski, among others. Thanks to my producer, Len Martez, Neil Solon, saying happy Passover, happy Easter. Stay tuned. We're getting set for the Rays and Red Sox on the Rays Baseball Network. It's coming up next.